Let's pray before I read. Father God, we thank you that you've given us your word so that we can know you and learn more about you. We do pray as we read Mark 6 this morning that we'd speak into our hearts and minds so that we might understand what you want to teach us. And we ask that you would help us to apply faithfully what we learn to our day-to-day -day lives. Amen. So uh, Mark 6, verses 1 to 13, and you're going to find that on page 1008 of Church Bibles. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offence at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few people who were ill and healed them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed with oil many people who were ill and healed them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much. Excuse me if I just remove this. And um, keeping up that rugby thing, which seems to have come from the music group, um, let me just say, if you're not happy with the accent, um, or not, you know, you feel really pierced by something I've said, please save the rugby tackles till later on. Thank you. A story. Back in the uh, days when people were conscripted into the army, just after the war, this, um, it became my dad's turn to go. 
and he told me that he went in to the recruitment centre and promptly failed his medical. The reason? Flat feet. I, um, I, I thought that was an urban myth, but he actually uh, failed because of <coughs> flat feet. And the rejection hit him so hard, you wouldn't have believed it. He'd seen his mates go off and uh, join up. He'd seen the brilliant time they were telling him that uh, they were having, and he wanted it. I think more than anything, he wanted to get out of Rochdale, but that's a, a different story. Um, absolutely devastated. He went back to uh, that place, and a few days later, he was so uh, feeling rejected, so sad at what had happened. He went back, and they didn't give him a medical, um, but he met an officer there, and the officer said, you know what, I could do with someone like you to be my Batman. And so he got into the army, um, you know, with his flat feet, and had a fairly easy time of it, um, he tells me. Um, as easy time as you can have in the army, but he even got into the officer's mess every day. It's great, isn't it? They wanted somebody to clean up, actually, um, but uh, he made it there. We're going to see how rejection worked out in Jesus' life um, and how he handled that and how he turned the offence uh, that people took at him into opportunity. Let's pray. Living God, your son Jesus Christ came to bring hope to the world, light into the darkness and revelation to all. Through the written word and the spoken word, may we hear the living word, our saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So from offence to opportunity. Why should you listen to this? Because it is the word of God. Because we're going to learn about how Jesus handled it when those people in that synagogue took offence and turned it. He turned it into opportunity. You may want to have your Bible open at Mark chapter 6. I think you said page 1008. And you can follow through some of the verses there as I speak. Okay, how are we there? It did all seem to start so well for Jesus. After a time of fruitful activity, he travelled in about 20 miles, I would think, to be in his hometown of Nazareth, a town well, estimated to have a population of about a thousand people at that time, and the chances are that people would know at least something about uh, other families living there. You'll see in verse 1 that he didn't go alone. He actually took with him uh, a group of his faithful followers, his disciples, and they were, in fact, uh, soon to play a larger part in the ministry that Jesus was bringing into that area. It's likely that he was seen as a rabbi, came to town with his followers, and um, as so often happened, rabbis uh, were invited to speak in the synagogue uh, whilst they were there, and Jesus did that, as we saw. We're not told what he taught, although we do know from another visit there that he read from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah on that occasion, and he said these words, they're recorded in Luke's Gospel, in fact. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, 
recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And then came the startling bit, as he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now that's back in Luke, that's recorded, but it's strong stuff, isn't it? Strong stuff that he was bringing to the people in that synagogue at that time. He took the Hebrew scriptures, he explained where the gospel of the good news of the kingdom and of his son could be seen. Um, and that was a key feature in his ministry, as we know, throughout the gospels. It wouldn't have been any different on this occasion when he came uh, into the synagogue in Nazareth, his hometown, and uh, spoke, uh, spoke to the people there. And let's think about what happened when he did that. Verse 2 says, And many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get all these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that's been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? So can you see the powerful effect he had at that point upon these people? One uh, version of the scriptures, some modernish. Um, version says the people were flabbergasted he went down well as a man at that point but as this passage from Mark goes on we can see how quickly a different attitude developed amongst the people it's like there was a remarkable about turn but in the wrong direction what had he done he touched something within them that stirred them you know like that old hymn probably before your time, so you may not remember it, uh, says they were almost persuaded now to believe, almost persuaded Christ to receive. Almost. Verse 3, wait a minute, see what they said. Hey, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? then look at that and they took offense at him instead of receiving him they took offense and rejected him the greek word uh, used for offense gives us our word scandalized so they were scandalized um, it was so strong the effect that he had had upon them the author uh, Kenneth West says it in this way they couldn't explain him so they rejected him they become familiar with him um, they knew his family his brothers his sisters and suddenly the richness of what he was sharing the wisdom that he had shown and that they had acknowledged the remarkable things he was performing just didn't matter any longer he was just Jesus just the carpenter, son of Mary. How did they miss? How did they miss that Jesus was God in human flesh? Growing up in their midst earlier on. And how did they not see his power of God's son here in their presence from the first? Going back to the first verse of Mark's gospel, says the beginning of the good news, about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. How did they miss the fact that he was the Messiah? And he came as such into their synagogue. He came as a man, of course he did, but he came too 
as a Messiah. And they didn't recognize that. And so they're holding him at arm's length and his words seem to carry no import for them any longer. They rejected him. They took offense at what he said. Um, maybe it's not unexpected that they should do so. Isaiah tells us, for example, um, about the coming Messiah. He was despised and rejected by mankind. And this incident in Mark's Gospel is just a, a foreshadowing of what was yet to come. A picture, a teaser of what was yet to come for Jesus. The one whose rejection by people took him all the way to the cross. From which new hope for all mankind comes. As he suffered there. He died for the sins of us all. Paying the price that we deserve for our sin. That's the path that rejection led him along. The people didn't get that at that point. And verse 6 says, he was amazed at their lack of faith. The meaning of the uh, word amazed is, is more like astonished, I think, or stunned at their lack of faith. Because he saw that they had a determined lack of faith in him and a misunderstanding about the Messiah. I guess they thought the Messiah would be born of a king. And Jesus was the son of Mary. And so somehow they couldn't see beyond his manhood. Knowing his human background, they took offence and dismissed him and his message. You know people like that. I once took my uh, brother to a Christian meeting, not unlike we've had at the El Giva recently, and he went as a determined unbeliever. There was no way that whatever anybody said was going to uh, turn him around. He came in unbelief and was so committed to it that what he saw and heard that night just, it just seemed to pass him by. He wasn't prepared to be open and he remained entrenched in his unbelief as a result. You come across people like that? Jesus did at that synagogue with that synagogue congregation with an attitude something like that, a blindness to the truth really, and an unwillingness uh, to accept the truth, who Jesus was, of what he was saying, simply because they saw him merely as a man. It says in verse 5, he couldn't do any miracles there, except laying hands on a few people who were ill and healed them. It wasn't that he was rendered powerless, he still laid hands on a few people and healed them. And isn't it remarkable that on a bad day for Jesus, you still see some results in miracles and healing, although it was less than he could have seen. But you know, it's those people's determined unbelief that prevented them from being willing to accept him and receive his ministry to them, except, as I say, for the humble few who were able to see Jesus for who he was, and yield themselves to him. The remainder just took offence. They rejected him and his message. As we consider just what we've learned so far from Mark's Gospel, here's some things I'd ask you to think about before we look at the next session, uh, section of the passage that says there, Jesus sends out the twelve. But let's, let's think about this first of all. 
Let me ask you, how would you handle rejection? How would you, if you're in that place at that time, people are taking offence at what you said, what you did, who you were, how would you handle rejection? And how do you handle rejection now? If you're like me, uh, the sort of human in me just wants to hit back when people uh, reject me. When they take offence at uh, when I try to share the good news of Jesus Christ and they just, they don't want to know but they also don't want to know me. How would you handle that situation? hope it wouldn't be to retaliate but to hit back. And Jesus never did that. He never retaliated. He never hit back at those people. I wonder how do you handle it? How would you have handled it in that situation? I know it's easy to shrink away and be all offended, uh, to withdraw from the person you've been trying to share with. Um, you, you know, you've tried to bring out the message and that person just doesn't want to know. They've got some sort of determined unbelief. But let's get that in perspective, shall we? Don't take offence personally. Remember that Jesus once said to his followers, whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. So don't, don't take that rejection on board. It's God they're rejecting. And although it hurts very much here in the heart, to know that people are missing out on the opportunity of knowing Jesus, of knowing his love, knowing his forgiveness, of knowing him, and missing out. But it's God who deals with that. Ours is just to share the message, and God has the authority, and will take and do what God will do with that person. Jesus never hit back at the people here, even though he was amazed at the lack of faith. I think he went on to see the bigger picture. Um, and it says that he moved uh, beyond. Let's just have a look at, at that verse. Jesus, uh, part of verse 6, Jesus went around teaching from village to village. See, he'd known the offence. And that became an opportunity for, to, for him to move out, to go out to people who may well uh, be open to hear him. He moved out from village to village, never curled up in a ball, never said, well, I'll tell you what, let's give it a rest for a while. I guess I'd be tempted to do that. He went round the villages teaching. That's a master at work. Yeah, that's Jesus. That's Jesus at work. Great model for us to pick up on, to follow. He was the unstoppable Messiah, the Son of God. God said of him, you're my son, in whom I am well pleased. You know, even though others weren't well pleased, he had that. He knew he lived in the will of the Father. He knew that he came from the Father. How different that was from the people in the synagogue on that day. Excuse me one second. His disciples gathered his disciples together, sending them out two by two and giving them authority over unclean spirits. You find some wisdom in 
in the Bible about sending people out two by two. Um, if you looked at Proverbs, for example, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And of course, some of that was about uh, one witnessing to uh, the other, um, keeping it all accountable. It was often the custom that people would go out uh, in twos. And it's just interesting to note at that point that we share our faith in relationship. We share our faith in relationship with uh, Jesus Christ, in relationship with God's power and authority, and with other believers. And it's great to know that we're amongst other people who support us in our ministry, who are with us there when maybe we've taken offence, maybe others have taken offence at us, but we've got brothers and sisters on whom we can rely. They were to put the whole trust in God. His instructions in verse uh, 8 and 9 were that they should, they should travel light, basically. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. They were to put their trust in the possessions, not rely on their own abilities to make the journey. They were unable to put their whole trust in God for his provision as they followed uh, the words of Jesus to them. See what offence had done? So far, it led Jesus to go out and preach the gospel um, in the villages. It had allowed Jesus to call his disciples and to enable them to go out and preach the gospel, bringing the word of God to other people, some of whom would have been ready to hear, but uh, some of whom maybe for the first time they'd really heard the message of Jesus Christ. It opened up the opportunity for the spread of the gospel. It led to an empowering work amongst his followers. And they were commanded, verse 11, to deal with sin as they saw it. If any place won't welcome you, or will not welcome you, uh, or listen to you, leave that place. Shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And you know probably that shaking the dust off your feet um, was something that a pious Jew would often do when they'd been in Gentile territory, you know, to show that they were set apart. The um, disciples were to do it to show that separation between sin and God. The God didn't tolerate sin. is isn't to say that the Gentiles at that at time are in any more... Um, way of being sinful than uh, the Jewish people we see that in Romans uh, chapter 3 for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God yeah. they were closing the door on them, God could still do a work in their life, they were closing the door on uh, sinful attitudes the disciples were to do it to show displeasure to show where there's rejection of their ministry, their message, more crucially, of the God they served. And under the authority, that God, sent by Jesus, they were given a life-changing message to take to the people. Verse 12, they went out and preached that people should repent. As people responded, signs of healing and renewal 
were evident. You'll see that in verse 13. They were sent out to preach repentance. What is that? What is that message? Repentance. Change of mind. A change of heart that results in a change of actions is how someone described it. Repentance. You change your mind regarding sin and Jesus Christ. Regarding sin, you say sorry for a life separated from Jesus Christ by wrongdoing, wrong thinking, wrong actions. Regarding heart, you fully give your heart's affections to him. Invite him to be the Lord of your life, of your present and of your future. That guarantee of eternal life through him. And regarding a change of actions, you now commit to living God's way. Not your own. You do it with the help of his spirit. They were out there, sent by Jesus to preach repentance. And they experienced the power of God working in them, through them. Working powerfully in the lives and circumstances of the people they were sent to serve. Verse 13. They drove out many demons, anointed with oil many people who were ill and healed them. Wow, that signs following the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Clearly, those disciples were used by God to touch people, opening those people to God's will, God's way for them, to God's powerful work in their lives, to repentance and to faith. And all this came about after Jesus had handled misunderstanding, rejection, and the offence of the people back there in the synagogue. He turned the synagogue congregation's own offence into opportunities, from offence to opportunities, rather than defeat. As we can do that in the way that we deal with those who oppose us, we take offence at the gospel message. We can do that. Let's be absolutely certain that under the authority of God, we can do that. We can turn rejection into God-given opportunities. It's not down to us. It's not down to our human nature. It's not down to our own resourcefulness. It's down to the power of God in the life of believer and the spirit of God at work. And the power of God will never be defeated, never be done down. And isn't it great that we can rely upon that, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm drying up, that when we answer the call to live Christ-centered, spirit-enabled lives, share the gospel freely, without fear and with joy. We can rely upon the power and authority of God. As Jesus took that offense and turned it into opportunity, he can do that through and in us when we have that trust, that followership, that faith. How can we apply this? Let me say, if you're a Christian here today, um, that's great. It's good to know uh, that God is with you. It's good to have the love and support of everyone here in the church. And praise God that you have taken that step to become a Christian. But I know too, that sometimes you, you can feel beaten down. You share the gospel with other people. Maybe you've got great hopes for your friend uh, or 
a member of the family, to really know Jesus Christ. And then they don't. They seem to become more determined in their unbelief. Know this. That God is with us. Brothers and sisters are with us. That Jesus Christ had established the pattern whereby the offence that people take can be turned into opportunity. How so? How so? It's an opportunity, of course, uh, that we can take through prayer for that person. I'm sure we often do. But it's an opportunity for us to take stock as well and to be ready to go out and to be sent wherever God will send us. From offence to opportunity. It's an opportunity for each one of us. He can turn that sense of rejection that we feel, even dejection sometimes, into opportunity to feel his love and to see him at work and to rejoice at that. If you're not a Christian here today and you've heard this, you've even maybe taken offence at God's Son and the message that he brings, I'd encourage you just to think through what Jesus said and what he did through his disciples in the lives of those who in that synagogue were humble enough to come and receive healing and a touch uh, from him. I encourage you to think about what Jesus can do in your life if you allow him to do so. If, you, if you're prepared to repent, to turn to him, your mind, your heart, your life over to him. And let me uh, remind you of this, that there is no one beyond the reach of Jesus. Not even you. Not even in your own particular circumstances, however hard they may be. If you're not a Christian today, think through that. And know that there's a readiness of Jesus, even through the offence, to work in your lives. To respond when you turn to him. Faith, trust, repentance. Saying sorry for the things that have happened in your life that have been caused by your failure to follow him. By your rejection of him. Separation from him. Because of your attitude, things said and done. He loves you enough to have gone to the cross for you. To respond when we repent. Don't count yourselves any longer amongst those who reject him, who take offence at him. Let that be an opportunity, in fact, for you to turn to him and to know him. You're a young person here today. I know how easy it is to feel rejection, to feel that you want to be just like your mates, just like others around you. You don't want to be seen as different if that will bring you some pain. You might just want to, um, you might want to be cool, okay? And, well, I want you to know that hard as though it is to stand out and to stand up for Jesus in that situation, Jesus has been there before you. He's been rejected. 
he's been rejected and he turns offence, he turns rejection into opportunity and he'll do that for you as well. He'll strengthen you, he'll equip you to be who he made you to be. Let me say, take that on board. Don't ever feel you ought to have to deny your call to be his in your own situation. Disciples found that he has the authority and will work through those who are willing to work for him and with him, willing to repent and to come by faith to him. Know that as a young person, know that he walked with you, he's walked that path before and will continue to do so as you stand up and stand out for Jesus. Here's a takeaway for us all. Whenever any of us feel overwhelmed by the situation we find ourselves in, you can be amazed too. Amazed at what God can do in your life as he takes your circumstances and turns them into gospel opportunities. Grasp that. Get hold of that. And know that. Know that as you face this week and some of the trials and challenges, some of them from people who are not open to Jesus, not willing to listen to what you're saying. Grasp that because God can do amazing things and turn that offence into his opportunities. That's a question we can uh, take away afterwards as we go to refreshments and uh, chat around. Where do you think you may face rejection this week? Where do you think you may face rejection this week? And what opportunity will this present for you to serve Jesus? The one who turns offence into opportunity. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that Jesus led the way for people to hear the good news of the gospel and undeterred by rejection he responded firstly in amazement but he responded with a love that went on to reach out to others who were willing to hear and he did this that they may come to repentance and know true salvation help each one of us to be always ready to know the good news and to share it with others then bring the movement of your spirit upon us. Take those words and apply them. Bring the movement of your spirit upon those to whom you send us. Amen.